0: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
1: Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.
2: Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We're going back to the future this morning on the Independent Republic as we continue to send a message to Downing Street and the Prime Minister that Freedom Day on June the 21st cannot now be avoided and should not be derailed by any dodgy scientists, any scaremongers of lockdown uh, or fanatics who are all making hay at the moment while the sun shines. You can imagine them all sitting at home in their lovely uh, vociferous gardens resplendent uh, with bottles of pims and bottles of uh, um, smoothies sitting there going isn't it great to be working from home isn't it marvelous to be sitting in the garden well no get yeah, back to work for heaven's sake uh you work shy schemers yesterday we learned that there was zero deaths from covid for the first time in 447 days that's right 447 days. The last time that happened was March 2020, when we're told no one was prepared for what was to come. But of course, we are prepared for what may come because there is a big difference between now and then, and it's in the form of a vaccine that has safeguarded by far and away the bulk of the population, and certainly all of those who might be considered to be in vulnerable groups. So as we look around the country today on yet another glorious occasion of sunshine, beaches, and parks, you can tell that people are more relaxed. Master off social distancing isn't much of a deal and it's only a few curmudgeon's on social media now telling them they're being irresponsible which is why of course uh nicholas sturgeon's going the other way yeah that's right nicholas sturgeon yesterday said all oh, uh, we are told there still could be a chance that something could go wrong so it would be wrong to uh, not take advantage uh, of the advice of the scientists Well, I can tell you this, there's an awful lot of people in Glasgow and Edinburgh uh, and in Scotland in general who are not very happy about that. We'll be talking to SDP leader William Clouston, who has been consistently anti-lockdown. And also Professor Carol Sikora joins us about why we shouldn't be just getting on with it now and fixing all of the problems that lockdown has caused rather than asking people to continue to be patient for the lockdown to continue. 0344-499-1000. 344 499 Tonya Buxton is here as well with some big questions. Why did the media largely ignore the massive freedom march on Saturday, which she attended? And when they did acknowledge its existence, why did they make out that it was filled with cranks and conspiracy theorists? We need to know. Were you there? We need to know uh, what you saw, what you heard, because you are, of course, uh, the voices and the eyes and the ears of the Independent Republic. 0344-499-1000. Coming up later on, we'll have a look at whether Sir Keir Starmer garnered any more votes from last night's hagiography, because that's what it was, from Piers Morgan's Life Stories, which looked more like a PR campaign for the Labour leader than an honest-to-goodness probe into his life. There was no mention of Jimmy Savile, there was no mention of the vendetta against journalists, and nothing on how useless the party has been on anti-Semitism. Who knows? Also, we'll be asking for your reports on a holiday front. If you're staycationing in the UK, how are you finding the reception from the locals? Because one pub in Devon has banned tourists from its premises on the grounds that regulars matter more. Could they be right, or is it just another example of terrible British service? We'll be asking James Whale, Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand, 499 because he's a bit of an expert on pubs. Not much else, mind you. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham, Talk Radio. So as we look at the papers this morning, zero deaths, nothing to fear from freedom, says the Daily Mail. Fresh hope for June the 21st as deaths fall to zero, I mean, we're talking zero, guys. Okay. now, what we do know uh, is that there are people dying every single day. There are people who die from cancer. There are people who die from suicide. There are people who die from depression. There are people uh, who die from multiple sclerosis. There are people who die in road accidents. There are people who will probably die uh, from drowning over the course of the next few weeks because the weather, when it gets good, uh, tends to force people to jump into the water and injure themselves. And that can happen. But when you have zero deaths from a disease which has supposedly now got a vaccine against it, you start to wonder, why are we even still talking about it? Let's talk to William Closet, leader of the Social Democratic Party, and find out why he has always been pretty anti-lockdown, and for now probably is even more so. William, very good morning to you. Morning, Mike. Nice to be back. Very nice to have you back. So, um, zero. It's a good number, that. Um, Like I say, I found myself writing my intro this morning thinking, why is this even still a thing?
3: Yeah, I mean, what do they want? Minus zero? <laughs> Where are we going to go? No, I, th- I think we're there. Um, I think the, the problem is you've still got some scientists who uh, won't give up and and any any risk at all is unacceptable. But, you know, I, I think the government should and must keep uh, with the program and open up on, on the 21st and, and we'll enjoy it when they do. And I think we, we start the process then of trying to reestablish some type of normality. You know, I hope people will refrain from wearing masks outdoors which is completely absurd to me it's always been slightly mm. absurd and we sort of get you know get back to normal and we must do
2: this uh, there's no there's no excuse i've noticed actually lately i don't know whether you have where you are william that there are many fewer people wearing masks than there were even a week ago yeah i went to the cinema we we Did um, you? enjoyed the cinema you're, yeah, the, you're the first the- person i've spoken to who's been to the cinema since they reopened so what, what was it like I've been twice. I wow. mean, yes, yeah, so, uh, it, it was
3: good. Uh, first, the um, uh, you know, it was it was the, uh, the the road movie basically, and it was it was very good. Uh, it was it, obviously it was a socially distanced thing. You know, there were some gaps between the seats, but interestingly, you were meant to wear your mask in the cinema, right? Uh, and people people were glugging wine and things, and the masks were slipping down. And by the end, when I walked out, I saw quite a few people just refused to wear it. So you a little bit of resistance there. Mm. You're in a a uh, cinema for best part of two hours, enjoying a movie. Uh, you know, it's it's you've got to be able to enjoy it. But I it was I was delighted to get back. Yeah, I mean, we're just going to continue to go.
2: Yes, no, that's that's interesting because a lot of people I've spoken to have said, "Well, we're going to maybe wait until you can go back properly." But I think, and I said this a few weeks ago, that the the reason the lockdown will end, in all intents and purposes, is when people just stop doing it. And I think that's beginning to happen. I think with the hot weather at the weekend, people going to beaches, people going to parks, people going out and about, you don't want to wear a mask. It's hot. You know, it's 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 rather it's suffocating. It's horrible. It, there's nothing good about it. Uh, and quite frankly, um, with the the, the the small amount of COVID that appears to be around, um, you hmm. kind of go. And what's the point? Yeah, I mean,
3: wearing masks outside has never made any sense to me at all. And obviously the mask debate is a, is a bigger one indoors. But uh, no, its I, I think we just have to assert our rights now. I think the problem is that we've got it's it's quite polarized in it isn't it you've got probably about 10 15 percent of people who are really still extremely worried and the government fear campaign and everything has panicked them Mm. into into just not not being you know uh, rational about the 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 risks and the numbers and so on and behavior and that and that's that's created a a very polarized situation where Mm. you know as i say 10 or 15 percent of people are, are still terrified Uh, And then most of us are in the middle, you know, to, you know, observe the rules as far as we can. And then, you know, probably 10 or 20 percent don't really aren't really interested. But that's that's the way it is. And it's uh, I'm most interested in that 10 or 15 percent. It's getting people back and having the confidence to to reassume, you know, get back to the office, get back to the cinema, get back to the the pub and so on. But pubs at the moment are still very difficult places to go to. You know, I mean, you, you you've got to wear a mask at the door. You've got to, you know, scan and everything. And then. Magically, apparently, you're okay sitting down. <laughs> it doesn't apply. Yeah, by the time down. you've
2: sat down and decided what yeah. you want to eat, then there's no disease, then, isn't it? It's all gone. You know? That's I mean, all gone, yes.
3: Yeah. Magically, it, it's like uh, the opposite of Mr. Ben. It just doesn't appear.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it really is extraordinary. And then, of course, there's Nicola Sturgeon, uh, who manages to throw a spanner in any works that she possibly can see, even some of the works that she can't see, um, mm. which doesn't help that 10 to 15% of people who still think that there's reasons to worry.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm increasingly. I think that the SNP's um, uh, approach to things is basically anything they can do, which differentiates the Scots policy to the the rest of the UK. She will do mm. so. Any even if it's a minor, petty thing, they they seem to want to to change it just to be different. I yeah. think there's a lot of that in in in, the, in Sturgeon's policy. To be honest, Mike.
2: Yes, I think there is. And of course, um, there are those in the media who will say, ah, well, uh, surely this will now trouble Boris Johnson and this may derail his plans for June the 21st. And as many people point out to me on social media, a lot of the time, the only people who are actually questioning whether freedom is going to come on the 21st of June uh, are people in the media. Yeah, I, I just as I say, what do they want? I mean, we've got to accept
3: the reality, which is that this this you know, virus is endemic now. It's all over the world. Uh, and it's not going away. It'll probably never go away. So you've got to accept that it's there and you've got to make the best of it. And we're in a very fortunate position. We are, you know, 75% of, of, of adults have, have had their first vaccination. I had my second one the other day. Uh, you know, you, you, as I said before with you on, on previous programmes, you've got to take the win when it's there mm. and have the confidence to realise where you are. I mean, internationally, it's it's a slightly different situation. I've said before that I think... Uh, you know, a a, a reasonably strict uh, uh, system for for controlling who comes into the country and when and how uh, should remain, because you will have... Well, except uh... we've
2: never had that, though, William. I mean, the more you read about what's been going on over the past year... The less uh, convinced you become that the borders were ever controlled. I mean, we've still now got, believe it or not, uh, we've t- we've been told yesterday, um, Terminal Three at Heathrow has been roped off for people coming in from red list countries. To which you, I'm, I find myself saying, well, if it's a red list country, why are there people yeah. coming in from it?
3: Well, because you you've got the government we've got. <laughs> That's the, they they've never accepted the need to take a domestic approach, mm. basically, which is you know some other states, Taiwan and australia and, and others south korea did successfully yeah i mean i want the country to be open domestically yeah. as open as it can be i mean, what I'm, in- I mean
2: I, I, I'm not sure that i would want them to do that by the way i'm not sure that i would want them to shut down the country and make us isolated and unable to come to uh as, as as travelers around the world would like to do but what they can't do is leave it all open and then say oh we've got a bit of a problem with another variant that seems to have arrived from another country because we didn't shut the border you can't go it both ways can you
3: can 't no you can't have it both ways, and I think thirty to forty thousand people have come in from India since the government were aware of the indian variants. Right. So you, you're quite right, you can't have it both ways personally, I would have taken a tighter uh, approach to that, but you know you, you can you can debate that what you can't do is have open borders still effectively and, and then moan about. Variants coming in, so Mm. you know that that's that's a matter for government policy, really.
2: Yes. Or you take the other view, which is that you keep allowing people to come in, you try to quarantine them, but you also don't take too seriously the fact that certain communities in the country uh, have got a bit of a problem with a variant uh, when the most of the country doesn't.
3: Yeah, no, that's right. And and again, and I respect people's rights to not have the vaccine if they don't want to. Mm. I've never been in favour of mandatory vaccination, but. You know, you, you, you know, you take your own decision, and, mm. and if you're if you, if you don't if you don't get vaccinated, and we're told that in places like Bolton, most of the hospitalizations are those who haven't had a vaccine. Well, yeah. obviously that sort of follows. And but as an adult, it's your choice, mm. uh, like any other risk question. It's your choice what you do. Um, you know, that's that's where we are. As I say, I think the other problem with the traffic light system and the implementation of it is that the government's been. Has, has probably let international politics intervene in its decisions because the certain countries like Pakistan on the on the on the most severe list where travel what really was uh, curtailed and India wasn't mm. and, and a lot of people uh, writing are saying well okay was that political you're trying to do a trade deal with India you don't mm. you don't want to upset people before certain elections so you know there you go so I think you know politics will always intervene in it as I say I've said from the start I want to, I would I would have ap- approached it. We were seeded from three or four different places at once uh, because of the nature of, of our travel industry you know from from italy from spain and, mm. and france you know back back last year and at that stage you could have had a look at international
2: travel and we'd have probably been better off if we had done Yes, I think that's probably, on balance, absolutely right. Now, when we come out of lockdown, as I'm sure we will, um, I'm, I don't have any doubts about June the 21st, there might be some organisations that try to say, well, we'd like you to keep wearing masks. I'm happy to see today that one of the transport groups, I think it's a travellers group, has said, we'd like to see the removal of a mandate for masks on public transport because it's discouraging people from going on public transport on the basis that it's, think- it's making people think that it's dangerous. I was on the yeah. Tube this morning. Um, a lot more people now using it, even since last week. So I think, again, there's there is a sort of a movement going on.
3: Yeah, no, uh, David Smith's piece on the macroeconomic uh, picture last uh, on Sunday in the Sunday Times, he he had the figures for transport usage. Yeah. And interestingly, commercial transport usage is now year on year or, or year, from normality is 120, 130 percent. So there are, there's much more, you know, many more trucks and white vans on the road doing things. I think. Uh, Vehicle traffic, normal vehicle traffic is 80%. Now, you you know, you're nearly up. But interestingly, public transport across the country overall is only at 40%. And you're quite right, Mike. And, you know, you need to get that back up somehow. It's not just, uh, you know, TFL needing another thousand million pounds to to bail it. You need to get... It must be great
2: to be TFL, isn't it? I mean, it's like living sort of hand to mouth and knowing that no matter what happens, you'll be able to get more money from somewhere
3: ask and you shall receive. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes, it's strange, but you've got we've got to get people back on buses and 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 but this is the thing, this is the switch that we need to do back to a, some semblance of normality because if you insist on on hyping danger, you know, even though no one died as I say on Monday and and you know, as you say many many other categories of death just don't get talked about, 150 people die a day from cancer for instance, we don't talk about it. So uh, we need to switch back to some sort of normality and I think uh, you know, stopping uh, this, this atmosphere of, of pandemic through masks would be a good idea eventually. You know, I think they just we just need to grasp that metal.
2: Yeah, exactly right. And my other concern, of course, is that the jobs worth of this country, of which there seem to be more and more, um, are going to continue with their kind of constant um, not tapping on the shoulder brigade, kind of go, what are you doing? And you go, mm. nothing, leave me alone, you know, get lost. Um, Oxfordshire Council, I wanted to ask you about, uh, wants to consider mm. bringing in a ban on smoking for outdoors um, uh, use. So now not nah. only can you not smoke when you're inside the pub, but you can't smoke when you're outside it either. Yes, it's quite extraordinary. I, I think, I mean, obviously the smoking ban did have an effect. If
3: you look at the long-term uh, prevalence of smoking, and I'm an ex-smoker myself, uh, you know, in in the 70s, you know, 45% of people smoked. Now we're at sort of 14 13 or 14%. And I can understand health authorities wanting to bear down on it because mm. it's not good for you, but... Where does it end, Mike? I mean, you know, you can accept there's a good argument for banning smoking in an enclosed space because of passive smoking. Passive smoking is a reality uh, and is a health issue. And a lot of people working in hospitality um, uh, were affected by it. So there's a decent argument for that. I think when you're saying you can't smoke in the street... or you can't smoke in an, a, a specific outdoor hospitality mm. area. I think you're taking it too far. Right. And the question we need to ask and all the public need to ask in general, what
2: where is the end
3: to this? You know, what wh- wh- are you uh, eventually you're going to say well okay, well we have stopped smoking. Well, drinking's not very good yes. for you.
2: Well this Let's is well, this is my fear that you know the fact is if smoking is still legal, which it is, um mm. you are allowed to, to to legally smoke wherever you want effectively yeah. now you can be banned from doing it inside somebody's premises but i mean certainly there are places places in the world uh certainly parts of the u.s where if you live in a building which is a no smoking building even though it's your mm. own apartment even if you've bought it you can't smoke in your own flat you know it's kind of mad isn't it because i mean if you want to make it illegal make it illegal
3: yeah it seems extraordinary i think as i say i think the the internal smoking ban in, in public houses uh, was was probably justified on the passive smoking basis and actually it altered my behavior. I, I'd stopped smoking cigarettes. Mm. I, you know, every Friday I smoked little cigars with a friend and we did that in the pub until it was banned. And then of course we, we stopped yeah. because we, we had to. So, well, probably,
2: so so you did what they wanted you to do.
3: Yeah, we did. We did. But the, as I say, you can't, I, I accepted it because, you know, I, I accepted the fact that non-smokers are breathing in my smoke indoors. You can't argue that outside. I mean, that's No, you you, you can't. And to stop people, if Oxfordshire want to stop people smoking in the streets or in public areas, then you know believe. It'll, other things will be next. Yes. So I think that because that's right. I mean,
2: because if they, this is what I'm saying. That it's, it's sort of the hangover from you know the safeguarding of people because of COVID. Therefore, you have to walk uh, two meters apart, or you have to wear a mask, or you have to make sure mm. that you know there's only five of you in a, in a group instead of seven. You know, all of that kind mm. of stuff. Then they will turn to everything and say, well, you know, you really shouldn't eat that hamburger. You know, are you sure that uh, that's what you want? Uh, in fact, we're going to make it impossible for you to eat a hamburger uh, by shutting down all fast food outlets. Sure. No, there won't.
3: There's an, in theory, there's no end to it. I mean, there isn't an end to it. But I think, you you know, rational people have to look. It's a bit like the masks outside, as I said before. Yeah. Is it rational? Is it rational for someone to walk down the street with a mask on their own mm. out in the open? No, it isn't. And so and I would say, you know, if you're smoking a cigarette out in the open, uh, you should be allowed to do so. I mean, it's how about this? Product.
2: How about this for an idea? Can you imagine, William, uh, reintroduce smoking inside the pub, but you have to wear a mask? to protect. Yourself. Yeah.
3: Well, that, there you go. That would be that would be but that's probably where we're headed, mate.
2: It? <laughs> it is mad, isn't it? But yeah, I mean, we are in a in a very strange time and I think but I think it is important that people like us continue to make sure that we don't get so overjoyed by the fact that we could now do what we used to be able to do anyway without having having to have any recourse to a politician um, that we let them somehow move in another area that we don't want them to move in. I think
3: yeah, I think you've also got to respect boundaries i think frontiers and boundaries important i think you know i don't i as a party we're quite paternalistic in some ways you know we in 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 school for instance i would probably you know we we are in favor of bringing back school meals so you have control over what people eat in school i think you know from from eight o'clock till three or three thirty whatever it is i think the school has a a a right to impose some Mm. sort of standard there likewise on we've always supported the daily mile as a project you know it's i think it's a reasonable project for the for the for the state to say while you're at school we'll keep you fit that's fine but what you do outside that
2: is pretty much your own affair. Well, exactly right. Final question for you, William. We have got a great story today from Devon, a place called uh, the King of Prussia, a pub in Kingsbridge, right where the uh, the owners have said uh, they don't they've only got seven tables inside they don't want any tourists coming to clog up the place and they only want locals so they've got a sign up saying locals only. Um, I started off this morning thinking, what a ridiculous and crazy kind of typically British thing to do. But actually, I'm beginning to wonder if they might be right.
3: Yeah, well, I'll tell you a story. Um, An an old chap in in a pub in Northumberland uh, who he used to chat to was concerned about the very same thing. And in the summer, quite a few walkers and people walk the Hadrian's Wall and things. And they walk and they come into the pub. Ramblers. Ramblers. I hate ramblers. yeah Ramblers yeah, and ramblers are very keen on establishing and keeping their rights oh, yeah. uh, rights of way, and this old gentleman at the, at the at the bar in the pub said, "You you know you're infringing my right of way right now because I have a right of way from this bar stool to the loo and back yeah. and you're blocking.
2: <laughs> Excellent. Or did they move and decided? Uh, I think pub? they put
3: the points in, in
2: in good good faith. Yeah, excellent stuff, William. Thanks thanks for talking to us, William Clouston, leader of the Social Democratic Party. It's a great story, this one about the pub in Devon, because let's face it, if you've got a local, and we we'll talked to James Well about this later on, if you've got a local, right, and you go there every single day, and one day you go and they can't let you in, they say, "Oh, sorry, we're too busy." A load of people just arrived from Holland. You wouldn't be too happy, would you? So maybe they're right mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We've got loads going on. Tonya Buxton's coming in shortly, uh, about 11 o'clock. She's going to be telling us about her Freedom Day march on Saturday, uh, how it went and why it wasn't reported, really. Uh, And when it was reported, it was reported as though it was a collection of kind of cranks and crazy people and conspiracy theorists when, in fact, she's a mother. She's a businesswoman. She was there with lots of other mothers, with lots of of other authors, journalists, people who actually are not cranks and conspiracy theorists. And we'll be asking that question uh, and we'll be bringing you more news as well, of course, about uh, that story down in um, Devon, where the pub has refused locals um, uh, to be able to be banned from their own pub and instead said that tourists are banned and the locals are welcome. Uh, right now, though, let's talk to Professor Carol Sikora, Medical Director of Rutherford Cancer Centre's founding dean of the University of Buckingham Medical School. Carol, a very good morning to you. Morning, Mike. Nice to talk to you again after all this time. And what a great piece of news to be able to talk about. Zero. I mean, people say zero COVID is unachievable. Uh, Well, apparently we've just achieved it.
0: It's fantastic news.
2: And, you know, when you look at the BBC
0: website, it's as though it's being suppressed. The good news is always suppressed there. I mean, what's wrong with with
2: the... they They were terribly sad yesterday when the news came out. They seemed as though they didn't actually have any clue as to what to do about it. I,
0: I know, and then the other thing that I find intriguing, though, clearly we don't know what's going to happen. My my presumption is that this will we'll just learn to live with the virus, and we'll just carry on, and we'll release ourselves on the twenty first of June as planned, and so on. But it's all this as though we're, we're naughty boys, if we or naughty girls, mm. if you behave badly, you won't be allowed to, and this will go on forever, and you uh, you all suffer. And it's it's sort of the power of the politicians over us as citizens. And uh, we're ready to make our own decisions. That would be my thesis. Well,
2: absolutely right. And isn't it interesting as well that there have been those in the past few days, Carol, who have been talking about the NHS and people having to now be treated for things other than COVID, which hadn't been uh, possible during the time when they were just concentrating on COVID, and how that may now be a problem for the NHS because it might overwhelm them. And you're kind of going, well, this is your job. You know, you need to treat people who are sick. That's the whole point of being a hospital there's no point in being a gp surgery if you don't want to see any patients right
0: and you know the good news if you look at the number of people daily being admitted for covid it's stuck at 133 now i know that's not a real figure they're just not wanting to release the real figure day by day because that goes back to about the 24th of may Mm. which is a week ago or it is a week ago so there's something wrong with that but even that 133 people which is nothing compared to what it was like at the peak contains a lot of people that sadly would be in hospital anyway they're elderly they've had heart attacks strokes and so on and the fact that covid positive is neither here nor there Mm -hmm. Uh, the outcome of their disease, well, is not determined by them being COVID positive. And so it's, we've got to get on with the, the proper work of the NHS, whether it's cancer, whether it's strokes, whatever. Half a million people waiting for surgery. This is craziness.
2: Well, exactly right. And, and why not, for example, and you probably can answer this very succinctly. Um, if we are in a position to, uh, to, opt to, to, to present more people to hospital, but the fact is the hospital beds are still being spaced out because of COVID, Is there not now an argument to use some of the facilities of the Nightingales for something? Because I know that we keep being told, well, we haven't got enough staff. You know, we can't man uh, the the, the Nightingale hospitals with women or men uh, or anybody in between. But surely there must be some way of increasing capacity to catch up with the backlog. Well,
0: I would have thought not so much the Nightingales, because they don't have all the facilities, Mike, for operations, for recovery, for resuscitation and so on. Sure, you can bring them in, Mm. but that taking the staff from somewhere. So probably better to increase the throughput in existing hospitals by asking for people to work overtime, getting volunteers in at weekends, trying to push the whole thing fast forward. The vaccination program is a model. We can't knock it. Mm. So, that can work with volunteers, professionals coming back, retired doctors, retired nurses, all that sort of stuff. Why can't we do the same for the NHS crisis? It's only going to be three months and we'll clear the whole
2: thing. Well, exactly. and that seems the- to me, it's like perfect common sense, Carol, as you all speak, as we all speak. And yet it's only sort of now that people are beginning to, to wonder whether we might have been right all along. You know, with all of the castigation that you had to go through, that we got through uh, from people like Neil O'Brien, who was, you know, telling us that we were killing people uh, because of our attitudes. And what we now know, and we're going to talk to Tony Buxton about this coming up, is that lockdown has been very damaging to people's health altogether. It's nothing to do with, you know, what happened to them during the COVID outbreaks, but also other problems. That they've had.
0: I think you know, mental health has been totally ignored during this. And we have got to learn to live with this virus. There's no point, there's no getting back. We can't go forward as the way we're going we've got to get out of it and the only way is to stop this mad conversation about social bubbles and how many people can come to a party forget it make your own mind up what's sensible and at the moment I think you could do anything things are opening up and it's great and sporting events are great for mental health because people are enthusiastic they can do things and you know. The the theatres are opening up. That's another very positive sign. So pubs, theatres, sport. I think it's fantastic.
2: not so great, of course, if you're a Manchester City fan uh, or indeed like no. my colleague, Kevin O'Sullivan, a Fulham fan who's just been relegated. <laughs> but that's another I know, story. know, but you know, but, yeah, that, no, absolutely. that would have happened anyway. No, listen, absolutely, <laughs> of course. No, but the thing is, do you happen to know, for example, because there's always little questions that nobody really addresses. Are they still testing people on a mass scale in hospitals like they are still pretending to do in schools, but not really, you know, testing people who are, uh, to all intents and purposes, um, not infected with COVID? Because I wonder whether the shortage of of staff in some hospitals is due to people being told to go home because they've come into contact with somebody with covid
0: so we, we test everybody's temperature coming into the cancer center building and we test them twice That the staff get tested twice a week with one of these lateral flow tests right. and if they're positive we send it off for a formal PS, PCR. and you know the nhs has got good at doing pcrs quickly and turning them around really efficiently mm. uh, and uh, there's no doubt that, that, that the numbers are so low now that it's almost not worth doing. I get done twice a week, no swab, yeah. and uh, it's been completely clear throughout. And that's great. And uh, how long we go on for, who knows, uh, certainly for the next month or two, until we can see the workload of the NHS being picked up and moving forward, yes. all those waiting uh waiting some of them for over a year for an essential operation that they need and almost certainly in there are cancer patients that have not been diagnosed and that's the danger with the situation
2: sure and we've been doing i don't know whether you're aware carol a sort of a, a mini campaign for want of a better phrase on gp surgeries and making sure that people can see a gp if they want to and there's no question that many gp surgeries are working pretty well and working pretty normally but an awful lot of them are not and an awful lot of them uh, we're being told by patients are just not open at all and they keep getting put off and they keep getting told you know we'll try and get in touch with the hospital people are getting sent to A&E departments of hospitals to for what they would normally go to the GP for and that's got to change hasn't it?
0: It has and you know I always get hate mail if I start saying bad things about GPs so I won't and um, they are doing a good job they're trying to sort things out the difficulty is with a new patient with a new illness, you can't sort them out on the phone. There's no way you can really sort it out on the phone. You've got to look them in the eyes. You've got to touch them. Yeah. You've got to examine them. With with follow up patients that are just coming back back every every month for a checkup that you can do on the phone. They know you, you know them uh, and, and so on. Uh, the problem with general practice, it has become uh, piecemeal. People come in for a session and then leave, and there's no continuity. You rarely see the same doctor each time mm. and this sort of thing. So the old Dr. Finlay, you were a bit too young to remember. I'm Dr. afraid
2: Finley. I do. I do remember Dr. Cameron, <laughs> Janet, the whole lot, uh, I'm
0: afraid. <laughs> you, my mother was a, a, a dead ringer for Janet. Was so, she? Uh, Brilliant. <laughs> and she even had a Scottish accent to go with it. So it was um, we all laughed at her. Brilliant. But that's general practice is gone. And uh, we just have to agree, it's a very different service now. But we have to get them back into into seeing people. After all, they've all been immunised, the staff have all been immunised. Most of the patients they're seeing, because on the whole, they're over 50, most people go to the GP, they've been immunised. So let's, let's move on. Let's learn to live with the virus yeah. rather than on worrying about
2: it and just looking at the data uh, professor that that we keep being told the government is being guided by um, you know yes there may well be the fact that zero is zero because it was a bank holiday weekend but the previous day it was only one you know what we do know for example is that about 175 people a week commit suicide we also know from your expertise that cancer kills probably hundreds and hundreds of people every single day um, what do you think it's going to take for, for Matt Hancock and Boris Johnson and SAGE to actually get a grip of themselves and go, look, yes, we can still be careful about it. We can still make sure that we are on top of it. But let's fix everything else.
0: It is going to happen almost certainly. It's much better than we're being led to believe. If you actually look at the data, around 133 people for the whole country being admitted with, with COVID is yeah. almost and so and most of these people will survive they're not going to die of right. their disease and most of them don't need ventilation the number of people on ventilation dropped precipitously so the disease has changed and we've got to learn as a society to change with that just mm-hmm. accept it and let's move forward and use the nhs now to to clear uh, the, the ridiculous backlog we've accumulated because of this mm-hmm. and we've just moved forward
2: Yes, I think it's absolutely right. Professor Carol Sakura. great to talk to you. Great to see you looking so well. Uh, We'll see you again soon. We must try and get you in the studio one of these days if you're ever in town, uh, because that would be great. Uh, Carol Sakura, Medical Director of Rutherford Cancer Centres, founding dean of the University of Buckingham Medical School. Very optimistic, always has been optimistic. You know, he got some terrible flack towards the back end of last year because he more or less had suggested that COVID had disappeared when it had. You know, the fact is that it came back. It came back for all sorts of reasons, but the fact is that it did disappear. So he wasn't wrong when he said that it had disappeared, in the same way that it would appear to have disappeared now. Except this time, if it does come back, we've got a vaccine, right? So what's the problem?
3: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze
1: morning with
2: mike graham talk radio the independent republic of mike graham on talk radio Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. There are a great many things which are great about Talk Radio. Tonya Buxton is one of them. Uh, James Whale is another one. And James Whale and I uh, have for a very long time uh, had many agreements on things and many disagreements on things. I'm delighted to say he joins us this morning. He's not normally up this early uh, because, of course, he works uh, late into the night. But I need to get his view on something. So we're going to go straight to James right now. James, a very good morning to you.
1: Morning, Michael. I'm always up early as well. I'm, I'm always uh, here watering the garden, working, doing a bit of mowing, as you can probably see, uh, from about seven in the morning, mate. So anytime you want to chat, you need a call and a, a little conversation, I'm here.
2: Well, that's very kind of you, James, and it's a beautiful setting you've got there. Now, I'm told that you've been whining about the fact that you've not been invited to be on Plank of the Week, which I'm very happy to get you in on, but you've got to come in for that, you know what I mean? Well, no, yeah, I'm more than happy to come in and uh, we'll just arrange the day. And maybe you
1: can get some of those people on as well that I detest. Yes. I'll give you a little list. Well, of that'd, it will be quite
2: a long list. No, no. It?
1: It, it's Mike. It's not, No, you like Mike. <laughs> Sorry. That's
2: Sorry. that mad dog of yours. Who have you been Are feeding you? it?
1: Um, well, <laughs> do you know this mad dog that sounds like a rock Look, can you see?
2: Yeah, she's not very scary, really, is she? No, she's not. No. Now, listen, let's talk about pubs, because I thought you're the perfect person to ask this question of, right? Because when I first saw this story about the King of Prussia, a pub down in that near Devon, Kingsbridge, um, they've got a sign up that says locals only. Now, I thought this is a bit of an outrage, this, because if I'm on holiday in Devon and I want to go to a pub for a bit of a cream tea or something, they should let me in. But the more I thought about it, actually, I thought, well, do you know what? If loads of um, sort of tourists turn up at my local pub and I couldn't get in, I wouldn't be too happy. What do you reckon?
1: I'd be absolutely uh, in agreement with you, I'm afraid, Michael, because uh, in this little village that I live in, there's a pub across the road, uh, loads of of people and friends. In fact, uh, I was in the pub Saturday night a couple of weeks ago for Eurovision, and then everybody ended up back here having a takeaway curry and uh, moaning about how rubbish Eurovision is.
2: (laughs) Well, exactly Uh right. What on earth were you doing uh, having so many people breaking the rules in your garden? No, no, there was only five. Oh, okay, Excellent. Well, glad to hear it. But it's true, though, isn't it? I mean, if you turn up at that pub and then suddenly there was Janet Street Porter with a load of ramblers going, this is our right to be here, you wouldn't be too pleased.
1: Don't talk to me about ramblers. Now we're on a subject. I've got a footpath that goes up along the side of my garden. Yeah. And ramblers seem to feel they have the right to traipse along making a noise, upsetting my dogs. Yeah. And you know, you know, they they can't get far. It's a very steep hill behind me, so they wander up there. They get out of breath and they come back. They'd all be far better off having a picnic mm. or or going to uh, a national trust property. And yes. they
2: go on mass. They go on mass. Yeah, I've never understood why people want to actually walk about in large groups. I mean, I detest large groups of people i'd much rather be either on my own or with a very small number of other people i've got no interest in doing anything that people do uh, as a group at all
1: i couldn't agree i think half a dozen is my maximum really yes except you know if i if i happen to throw sorry i was just now she's digging up the garden honestly (laughs) (laughs) um hey stop it (laughs) i mean she's waiting for me to take her down to the pub that's the problem
2: yeah right okay so you also did you not like grow up in a pub or something
1: yeah uh my mum and dad had a pub in king's cross in london oh yeah um sort of between king's cross and russell square in london i know it well uh, and oh, uh, a bloomsbury in bloomsbury called the harrison arms it's still there now and uh and uh, you know funnily enough you wouldn't believe this would you but in london in pubs in certain areas It's just full of locals. Yeah. A lot of people live around there and the pub was full of locals. Mm. And in fact, if tourists accidentally found their way in um, and there wasn't room at the bar, the locals used to get very angry.
2: Yes. Well, you know, what's funny is that all the parts of London which have got people living in them in large numbers are quite busy now. And you'll notice it next time you come up, you know, and all around uh, where we are now, around London Bridge, because quite a lot of people Mm. live around here as well as work around here. It's busy. But if you go to the West End, it's still quite deserted. Because a lot of those pubs are only for tourists and the tourists aren't there, so they can't make any money.
1: Well, I I forgot to invite you to my little soiree the other night on account of my birthday, but I think I've invited you to the other one.
2: Yes, you have. Is this when you went off into Soho with a collection of um, of 'er ne'er-do-wells? I think it's the best way I can describe them. And they've shut all the roads
1: in, in Soho. Yeah. Okay. And I was talking to the guy whose uh, place we were at and he said, I'm, I'm busier now than I've ever been before because I can use the whole of the road. Yeah, I downs. quite like
2: the look of old Compton Street now. I was there a couple of months ago um, and it's fantastic, isn't it? Well, I've always loved old Compton Street, but I'm surprised you're saying
1: that on the air. But anyway,
2: listen, I'm a man of many parts, James, as you know, um, and I'm not ashamed ashamed to admit it. Now, (laughs) I'm going to just ask you one final question about Sir Keir Starmer. I don't know whether you saw him last night uh, because you've been on the radio, but he's got this um, middle name of Rodney, which apparently hates. I mean, Rodney's not such a terrible name, is it?
1: Well, I think Rodney's a rather ridiculous name if (laughs) I had the name (laughs) Rodney. Is he operating your TV stuff today, by the way? I'd, uh, I'd probably change it.
2: Yeah, um, I'm not sure what's he, going uh, on. It's, it seems to be randomly showing me pictures of somebody other than you.
1: Yeah, I know. I can see it. Um, he, um, Rodney, Yeah, well, you know, he's questionable anyway. But Rodneys are. And if if you were to tell me that Keir Starmer's real name was Rodney, because mm. Keir's a bit of a strange name, I would have said, well, that suits him better than anything else. I mean, I think, I think Rodney is really his name. Right.
2: I mean, he is the most boring politician. He really is. Think. And I mean, I have to say that his, uh, Piers Morgan, who's a good mate of mine, his interview last night with Rodney was awful. I mean, he literally didn't ask him anything at all challenging. It was like a sort of party political broadcast on behalf of the Labour Party.
1: Well, I I have uh, noticed because you know they they desperately want me on Good Morning Britain. I've heard I'm, that. Yeah, and I've seen. But uh, I've now seen on social media that they want uh, me on Life Stories. I I quite like to go on Life Stories because then I could talk about my favourite thing.
2: Mm. Yourself? Yeah. Well, I mean, Um, you'd be much more entertaining than old Rodney, I tell you that.
1: Well, I did see it because when I came off uh, the air last night, they were repeating it and I I did see it. And I have to agree with you. Why did his PR people let him go on and do it? He's not doing him any good, is it?
2: Well, I mean, they were trying to make him more interesting, but I'm afraid all they did was confirm that he's, in fact, completely and utterly uninteresting. Yeah. I mean, and, and the, the, the
1: socialists are falling out with him at left, right and centre, aren't they?
2: Yeah, they don't like him. No. So I'm going to the pub now.
1: And uh, if you want to come over later, I will make sure you're allowed in because I think the landlord only wants local dinner.
2: (laughs) Well, listen, you're very kind, James. But sadly, I have a prior engagement in a private club where I'm going uh, after the show. In in Old Compton Street. Not in in Old Compton (laughs) Street. They're not far away. Yeah,
1: you shouldn't mention those things
2: at all. (laughs) I'll see you later, James. Take it easy. Good to see you. See you tonight uh, from seven. James Whale will be on, of course, Talk Radio uh, tonight from seven o'clock because that's when he is here from seven until ten. And he agrees with me that actually if you run a pub which is in a local area where locals go and it's not really destined for loads of tourists, I don't think it's wrong to actually just say so and go, look, it's all very well turning up in your coach loads, but we're not going to let you in. You're going to have to go somewhere else. Go down the road uh, to the place where actually um, they've got plenty of room uh, and they're more than happy to have a passing trade. I think that's quite important. But you may differ. You may say to me, this is typical of British service, which is why British service is still some of the worst in the world, because the people that actually run these establishments don't want any customers. I don't think that's the case at all. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Welcome back to The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. If you didn't watch it last night, uh, you were amongst many other people who also didn't watch it because Ian Highland has just put out the figure. 1.9 million uh, for Piers Morgan's life stories last night. Now, this is a guy who's interviewed Elton John on that show. Uh, he's interviewed Vinnie Jones. He's interviewed people like David Hasselhoff. I mean, he's had some pretty big stars uh, that he's interviewed over the course of, I think, 20 series. So, I mean, he's been very successful. It's been very popular. I think now putting on Sakir Starmer was nothing more than a PRX exercise uh for the Labour Party to try and help the Labour Party to catch up with Boris Johnson's popularity which at the moment it doesn't look like they're going to do let's talk to Mark Bukowski and see what he made of it all Mark a very good afternoon to you
4: hi Mike how are you Greetings. well enjoying the sun as he said it's uh it was incredible wandering around London yesterday it was uh, I, I, I'm not sure what june the 21st actually brings because it's simply really busy yesterday well it does doesn't it?
2: Well, it, i mean this is what um, i this is what i said i mean you know the, the lockdown will kind of lift itself once the weather gets decent people will just go yeah you fancy going out you're right then i'll see you down the pub um and that's what's going to be happening you know, i was out in hyde park on uh, uh on, on sunday and it was absolutely rammed it was, it's so busy yeah uh, the same last night it was incredible incredible so um as I said, um,
4: people are just bored with the bad weather, and the first um, sort of shades of really
2: powerful summer people are out. There. Absolutely right. Now, um, I, I'm not sure that you would want to put yourself through watching the uh, the show last night. I put myself through it purely and simply because I knew I'd want to be talking about it. But I have to say, um, there was kind of uh, what can only be described as. Um, uh, rather enthusiastic clapping and applause going on for what I wouldn't have been clapping and applauding. I was wondering if they they'd brought in sort of uh, I was going to say Labour Party HQ, but half the Labour Party hate him. So, I, but they were all Keir Starmer supporters in the audience. I think. Yeah. Uh, look, uh,
4: the the problem with Keir Starmer is that he doesn't connect to people, um, and he he has, you know, zero charisma. I think he has. The personality of a supply teacher, really. I mean, probably a geography supply teacher, and this is what the panic is. I mean, when we looked at Hartlepool and we looked at the other recent elections, you know, that's a that is a real indication of no connection. That personality, people don't people don't go anywhere near him, and television is not his medium, which is a big problem. He doesn't connect with people on TV. So the the bottom line is, I was surprised. To some extent, of him doing the Piers Morgan live stories last night, because it's one of those interviews you give at a very crucial time in a run into election. Yes. So it indicated to me that they're in trouble with him, mm. and they have going to do anything to get him to be someone the public think he is. Yeah. Um. And which Labour Party no isn't. I mean, on one level, you could say that he, it was a fairly dignified. It was an empathetic. He said all the right things, but I think people like you, Mike, will come across it and say, this is a PR exercise. And when it is seen and talked about as a PR exercise, then it has a counter effect of what you want to achieve.
2: Well, I think that's right. And also, you're right to say that they want to present him as this guy um, that they want the public to think of him as. But in fact, if he's not that guy, then unfortunately, that's quite a difficult thing to do. Let's have a quick look at one of the clips that we've got here. Uh, This is Keir Starmer talking to Piers Morgan about his mother. He never recovered, did he? He lived, but he didn't recover.
1: Did you know at the end that she was dying? Were you able to say everything you wanted to say?
2: No. And this is the tragedy when um, somebody loses the ability to speak, because you don't know before they lose the ability to speak that that's going to happen. So you never have that conversation.
1: What would you have liked to have said?
2: I love you. I mean, it's pretty borderline sort of reality TV stuff, really. I mean, of course, it's a sad story about his mother dying and a sad story about his father, but he, he, sort of, he did paint a picture of somebody um, who was a little bit emotionally kind of barren, partly as a result of his upbringing.
4: Yeah, that's true. I mean, Pierce does a fantastic job of cutting to the story and get people to talk, and that's why the programme is so successful, mm. and that's why it has so many viewers. Um, I, I think it was Raw, Um, And I think a good deal of people are warm to him of the honesty to be so authentic. And I think when you're talking about those family issues, there was great authenticity and uh, great tragedy. Um, To a certain extent, you know, everybody now is looking for positivity. Uh, Everybody is looking for what does the future hold for us all after this pandemic? Mm. And I'm afraid you know, Labor Party are playing too much, a little bit, on some of the negatives. Boris has the ability to project the positives, the figures yesterday, um, you know, coming out of it on 21st, you know, another, you know keeping us in suspense, it's going to be perhaps, you know, a few more weeks longer, but there, there seems to be a greater control, and whatever you say about Boris, love him or loathe him, he is Boris, you know, he's sort of tough-like, he's a yeah. big character. But ultimately, what people want is politicians to deliver on their promises. And they're sick and tired of politicians for years making empty promises. And we see a continual Westminster elite that grow fatter and bigger on it. And people have just had enough. Yeah. And I think the other issue is, you know, to a certain extent, some has never quite moved on, although from Brexit and um, it still plays into the narrative and and that is should be so far in the rearview mirror now to really connect with the people and people are saying you know what you know i'm not really trust politicians but you know boris is what he is i'll sort of stick Mm. with him uh with keir starmer you just think who are you yeah and that interview was some expression of who i am and there were many flaws and positives in it but I thought it was an interview at the wrong time because we would have forgotten about that if but this is more now about Keir Starmer's mm. survival as leader of the Labour Party. Yeah, I think you're I absolutely. I think, away.
2: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Because at the end, there was a sort of slightly, um, you know, cringe moment when um, when Piers says to him, you know, Boris is probably watching this show even as we speak. You know, once again, there's the great hyperbole of his own uh, self-promotion. He's probably right. Um, but he said, uh, "What message would you give him?" And Keir said, "Move over." And it's like and I just thought to myself, "Well, sorry, mate, you've got to win an election for that. You can't just ask him to move over because everybody's clapping in the studio because they all think that you're actually not quite as robotic as you meant to, to, to be. But the, the whole thing st- stunk to me of Piers Morgan making a, making a phone call. And we both know him pretty well to Keir Starmer saying, you know what you need, mate? You need to come on my show in order to boost your ratings, in order to boost yourself. This is what we're going to do. This is how we'll handle it. We won't talk about Jimmy Savile. We won't talk about the uh, the news of the world. We won't talk about grooming gangs. We won't talk about any of the things that are negative or anti-Semitism. We'll just do it all positive. We'll make you look human. What do you think? What do you think? And he went, yeah, all right then. And that's what, that's what I think happened. Totally right. Totally
4: right. I mean, Piers is very persuasive. He makes personal phone calls when he feels... He's got the sniff of a great interview in his nostrils. You know, he's, 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 he's a great journalist. He's a great newsman. He knows. The True Life Stories has been a fantastic programme down is years, incredibly consistent. He promotes it like crazy on his channels yeah. and he personal intervention all the time. And you're right. He would have said, you need, need to do this. Yeah. And of course, they did in some ways need to do it, but not now. Yes. I, I think that, it, it, that, that this shows more of a desperation to punk this honest, truthful, genuine, caring, compassionate, competent sort of uh, politician. And I think the great unwashed are much more savvier than I think the Labour spin people recognise.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I was watching it last night and doing a bit of tweeting at the same time. And people who, and obviously you would say, well, they're following me, so they would be more likely to say these things. But one uh, that got through to me was quite funny. It said, I'm surprised to see uh, sakir sitting in an armchair. Normally he's on a fence. You know, that's kind of how people see him. You know, <laughs> he can't change that.
4: <laughs> well, that, that's a point. I mean, whoever that wit is, spot on tweet of the day. But yeah. the, uh, the, the, the the bottom line is that passing question of message to Boris that, you know, we brevity and, and be able to capture an idea, you know, and a statement in so few words is the name of the game mm. at the moment. And he had a moment there to actually steam on with something everybody recognised. And it just felt flat. And I, you know, I I do believe the guy is a very decent guy. And I thought that he would give Boris a bit of a sort of roughing up at PMQs. Yeah. But he um, hasn't, though, and, has he? You know, and he hasn't. And I'm surprised because, you know, he's that's his space. yeah, And it's just been, as I say, dull. And, I mean, even um, and I last think,
2: even last week when we had PMQs right after Dominic Cummings had basically accused Boris Johnson of not being up to the job, had accused the Secretary of State for Health of being a, a compulsive liar. You know, he couldn't even land a punch on that day. No,
4: that was worrying. And I think, you know, people, Labour Party would, Labour Party need to start landing punches. They need to be. In, I think the Labour Party generally, you know, the middle ground of the of Labour Party and even Keir Starmer, who represents that, are suffering from long Corbyn. Mm. Um, this is something that is that, that is really eating into them. Yeah, and um, they they haven't made the inroads that they expected, and I thought that they might through elections, and that that says more about not understanding not understanding their mm. heartland. Yes, which is you know, well exactly. I mean, you've got, you've got London in your pocket, you know, the M twenty five and most of London is your is your stronghold and metropolitan sort of centres, but you still are driven by you know, a sort of very educated elite, and you're you're missing the point that mm. your traditional voters just don't think that you you you, you understand them any longer, and yeah. that's the biggest problem.
2: I mean, the seem the seemingly sort of um, wokists of of our, of our world have been impressed by his uh, the people I've seen sort of commenting on on how good Kia was all seem to be waiting for the times. You know, which probably tells you more about the Times nowadays, I suppose, than anything else.
4: And your your sister station, Times Radio. Well, indeed.
2: Absolutely. They all thought it was great. But I mean, you know, I did uh, started the programme yesterday um, with the question to Tim Montgomery. What does Boris have to do to become unpopular, you know? getting married in the middle of a pandemic when loads of people couldn't get married and loads of people are annoyed that they couldn't get married and loads of people can't make money running weddings, you know, supposedly, you know, possibly breaching in a small way, the parliamentary code by, you know, not being very honest about the way that he decorated his flat, you know, being responsible, according to Keir Starmer for, you know, 130,000 people dying. He's still 18 points ahead in the polls.
4: Yeah. And I, and, 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 and the Dark Lord Cummins didn't dislodge him as well. It's fascinating times. And it's it's difficult, and the cult of Boris is is certainly preeminent now, and 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 that is what is difficult to shift. And then you've got you know should you know Labour be more Blair or be more momentum? Mm. Um, that confuses it. Um, but they you know there are listen, I think there's some really interesting people in Labour Party you know who are in mayoral roles at the moment. I like Andy Burnham. Yeah. I think he's 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 got a voice, got a point difference. I have a huge amount of respect for Andy Burnham. I think Tracy Braben, um who's now going to be the was it the West Yorkshire Mayor? I think yep. she's a sleeper the future. I think she's really strong. I think there's some great people around the Labour Party, but the structure of it, you know, somehow, um, you, you, you know, to a certain extent, there was there was a good class run of of people in that election, but sometimes the job is too difficult. And let's not forget the Tory party went through the same problems you know mm. um, in terms of leadership in in terms of when, when blair was riding high you get it right you get the right leader you get the right empathy you get the right connection with the public and you're never to dislodge and it's and interesting Boris isn't it because got the magic at the moment and i don't get it i
2: really don't get but it but it's funny isn't it because politics is a game of, of two halves if you like you mean, ian duncan smith now comes across as a far more kind of serious and genuine thinker than he ever did when he was leading the party, when he came across as a guy who was being manipulated by his handlers to do things that he didn't really feel comfortable doing.
4: And it's different politicians who haven't got the whip on them, you know, and, and, and you're in a century and you have to sort of you know, be together. And we've seen, you know, particularly politicians of a certain age that have got better as they've got older, yeah. you know, and, and we respect them more because they've got more experience and we've listened to them and they will say, now, Alan Johnson is phenomenal. You, 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 I could listen to Alan Johnson for hours, but, you know, he certainly didn't act that way when he was in, in the heart of no. the park. And, and the same with Neil Kinnock in the days, you know, when he was leader, but getting out of that, you know, when he became more statesmanlike, you just think, why weren't you like that yes.
2: 10 years ago? Well, I completely, you know, you know I, a terrible admission, actually. I'd completely forgotten about Neil Kinnock until I saw him in the documentary in the Piers Morgan thing last night talking, you know. And, I mean, I used to know him quite well, but I completely forgot he existed.
4: Yeah.
2: Yeah, we do. I mean...
4: <laughs> we, we, You know, that's it. And and now, with the speed of, of media and social media, you know, we've forgotten about an idea tomorrow um, that was here today. Yeah. I mean, Cubbins is, you know, so what? You know, yeah, exactly. All gate, so what? We've moved on. Yeah. Just waiting for the next... You know, all that all the craziness of of Matt Hancock and the complete, you know, waste of time he was at the beginning of the epidemic, reminded to us by um Cummings. And and then the man's still sitting there, and as long as the vaccinations um roll out and we get back to normal, that's where our focus will be, because we all suffer from long-term amnesia and short-term memory loss. You know, what's the next big kerfuffle in social media? We'll 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 pin around that. You know, Olivia, you know. Olivia Sark, was an Emmy Sarker today, will be nobody tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. It, the speed is astonishing. And, and I say that because I, I've seen how stories sustain, and things don't seem to sustain in the way that they did in the days of the good old analog media days.
2: No. No, it's literally, I mean, God God bless Alistair Campbell. I know people will be recoiling in horror that I say it, but you know, the idea that you could dominate the news pages for six days now and you have to resign, that's also gone by the wayside because you know, yeah. the papers can be as obsessed as they like. Nobody cares.
4: No, and I think you know that, that's the issue for people, particularly Labour Party. How do they reach, you know, that 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 that, that point to, you know, some of their heartlands how do they get them caring about what they stand for now Mm. and they don't have the power to do it because if that red wall is invested in by the government and jobs are created and there is an uplift um you know the 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 tories are going to keep that those those seats for a long time if they don't deliver and if it's usually the same rhetoric it's the same empty promises then let's see what will happen in the next election. That's going to be interesting. People have said, enough of the BS, what what are you actually going to do for me? I want to know, not for your peer group, Mm. not for your mates, not for your your champagne sort of buddies, what are you going to do for me?
2: Yeah, I think that's a very sound piece of advice. Mark, thanks very much indeed as ever. Mark Bukowski their brand and PR guru, uh, agrees with me that it was not the greatest timing uh, to do this Keir Starmer life stories for Keir Starmer. Sure, it was a great time for Piers Morgan, everything always is for him. But for Keir Starmer, I don't think anyone is going to put a vote in his box in the next general election just because of that. And even if they were, they'll have forgotten about it by then, won't they? Talk Radio
1: across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.